Hello and welcome. Thank you for listening to Your Neighbor, a Priest, a podcast featuring commentary and theological reflection on local news and events in Southwest Washington and the larger themes that impact all of us as we wrestle with the challenges of life, and in particular American life, in the 21st century. I'm Father Nick Mather, Rector of St. Stephen's Episcopal Church in Longview, Washington. I am your neighbor, and I am a priest. Today on the podcast, I want to engage in a conversation on a timely topic with the approaching 4th of July weekend, and as the political machines gear up for the big push as we head towards an election this fall. That topic is Christian nationalism. What is it? Why is it important to talk about? And how do we combat this, in all intents and purposes, heresy? Before I address Christian nationalism directly, I want to share a personal conflict that I've been wrestling with since 2016. And in particular, I want to do this because I think it shows how Christian nationalism can seemingly innocuously impact us uh, at, at a very basic level. And that conflict that I've been wrestling with is how do I, as a Christian and as an American, respond to the American flag? Now, before I dive into this potentially sensitive topic area, my hope in expressing my own personal conflicts opens an opportunity for you to dialogue with me or with those in your circles about how our symbols and their uses have a real impact on others in our lives and in our society. The fall of 2016 was, of course, the beginning of Colin Kaepernick's observance of kneeling during the national anthem as a form of protest against the violence, specifically police violence, faced by black men and women in America. This followed the emergence of the Black Lives Matter movement, which itself followed the deaths of Eric Garner, Michael Brown, Tamir Rice, Freddie Gray, Sandra Bland, and many others, including most immediately before Kaepernick's protest began, the murder of Philando Castile. This move by a respected and successful athlete, one that eventually saw him sacrifice his career by utilizing his platform to bring a voice to the voiceless, changed my own perceptions on what it meant to be patriotic and still honor Christian values that call us to love our neighbor and honor the dignity of every human being. One thing that I think is still underreported and in fact misunderstood about Kaepernick's protest is that his taking a knee was at the suggestion of former NFL player and ex-Green Beret and also white man, Nate Boyer. Boyer took the time to listen to Kaepernick's reasoning for his desire to protest. And together they agreed that kneeling was an appropriate way of showing respect and honor for those who had fought to defend Kaepernick's right to protest a right that the flag represents as much as it represents anything that is broken in our country. Unfortunately, this act was twisted, and the narrative was stolen from Kaepernick by predominantly white people who sought to define his act as unpatriotic, even though it was at its very inception an expression of patriotism. And in that, 
And what was at the center of the controversy, it was not an expression of nationalism. This twisting of Kaepernick's message and intent caused one of the only times someone has actively stood up and walked out on me during a sermon. In fact, it's happened twice, on two different occasions, a year removed from each other. This reaction to even the mention of Colin Kaepernick's name in a sermon shows how Christian nationalism has infiltrated our understanding of what it means to both be Christian and American. And it makes me pause when I consider the flag. What does this flag, the American flag, represent to me? What does this flag represent to others? Can I fly or even wear the flag and honor those who are my neighbors and have seen it weaponized against them? Well, I, I do fly it and I am still conflicted about it. I waver on flying it during the appropriate holidays for the flag to fly, hoping that perhaps a U.S. sports team is competing at the time and or a near future event like the Olympics or a World Cup in order to somewhat justify it being put out on my banister. I also question what place the flag has in our houses of worship. Does it really need to stand at the front of the church? What does that say about us as the church to those who visit us for the first time, those to whom we do not have the luxury of explaining why the flag is present in our house of worship? Now, I've never taken a knee during the anthem or Pledge of Allegiance, even when presented with the opportunity to do so, but I refuse to hold my hand over my heart, and I refuse to pledge allegiance to what is ultimately a piece of fabric for my allegiance is for God alone. And even still, I remain conflicted about the American flag. As someone who majored in political science in my undergraduate studies, from reading Democracy in America by Alexis de Tocqueville, and focusing specifically on the history of party politics and elections in America, I have a very specific understanding of what our flag can and should represent. And... I also understand how that promise and potential that the flag represents has not been fully realized for all people in our country, even, and perhaps especially so, in the very foundations of this country. I will likely be flying it this coming holiday weekend, but I will do so with these same conflicts in my head and in my heart. The following statement comes from the group Christians Against Christian Nationalism. It can be found on their website, christiansagainstchristiannationalism.org. The statement reads, As Christians, our faith teaches us everyone is created in God's image and commands us to love one another. As Americans, we value our system of government and the good that can be accomplished in our constitutional democracy. Today, we are concerned about a persistent threat to both our religious communities and our democracy, Christian nationalism. Christian nationalism seeks to merge Christian and American identities, distorting both the Christian faith and America's constitutional democracy. 
Christian nationalism demands Christianity be privileged by the state and implies that to be a good American, one must be Christian. It often overlaps with and provides cover for white supremacy and racial subjugation. We reject this damaging political ideology and invite our Christian brothers and sisters to join us in opposing this threat to our faith and to our nation. As Christians, we are bound to Christ not by citizenship, but by faith. We believe that people of all faiths and none have the right and responsibility to engage constructively in the public square. Patriotism does not require us to minimize our religious convictions. One's religious affiliation, or lack thereof, should be irrelevant to one's standing in the civic community. Government should not prefer one religion over another, or religion over non-religion. Religious instruction is best left to our houses of worship, other religious institutions, and families. America's historic commitment to religious pluralism enables faith communities to live in civic harmony with one another without sacrificing our theological convictions. Conflating religious authority with political authority is idolatrous and often leads to oppression of minority and other marginalized groups, as well as the spiritual impoverishment of religion. We must stand up to and speak out against Christian nationalism, especially when it inspires acts of violence and intimidation, including vandalism, bomb threats, arson, hate crimes, and attacks on houses of worship against religious communities at home and abroad. Whether we worship at a church, mosque, synagogue, or temple, America has no second-class faiths. All are equal under the U.S. Constitution. As Christians, we must speak in one voice condemning Christian nationalism as a distortion of the gospel of Jesus and a threat to American democracy. Presiding Bishop Michael Curry, who's presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church, one of the original signers of this statement, said the following in explaining his support of this movement. As followers of Jesus, his command to love our neighbors means neighbors of every type, of every faith, not just our own. Through our baptism and in our democracy, we are called to a way of love that creates a community in which the dignity of every human being is recognized and respected, and where all can have an equal say in the governing of our civic life. The violence, intimidation, and distortion of scripture associated with Christian nationalism does not reflect the person and teachings of Jesus Christ. And so I stand with fellow leaders in the Christian community and call for a better way. R. Mitch Randall, Executive Director of Ethics Daily, stated the following in his endorsement of this statement. Christian nationalism perverts and distorts the foundational tenets of the gospel. When Christianity combines with political ideologies, the gospel will always take a back seat to the political pragmatism of power and wealth. When Jesus walked the earth, he challenged his disciples to love the marginalized, oppressed, and disenfranchised. Christian nationalism establishes religious superiority over others, which in turn hinders the missional mandate of the gospel. 
Jesus said to humble oneself, not rise above others. I want to be clear on how nationalism and patriotism differ from each other. Patriotism is love of country, love that is expressed in many ways, such as waving an American flag, volunteering at a food bank, teaching in public schools, serving in the military, running for public office, or protesting policies with which you disagree. Nationalism is an extreme form of patriotism that demands a position of superiority and has little or no room for dissent or disagreement. We've seen the threat of Christian nationalism play out here in our own community of Longview, Washington. This coming July 4th weekend would have typically been a celebration full of patriotism and community pride as we celebrated the Go Forth Festival together as one community. Unfortunately, like every other gathering of a large group of people scheduled for this summer, the Go Forth Festival was canceled due to the global pandemic and the need to be unified as one community in not gathering in order to keep the spread of COVID-19 to a minimum in our community. This was a sad but necessary reality, and the invitation was that we would celebrate the fourth in small, intimate, and physically distanced gatherings with close family and friends. We could still enjoy grilling out. We could still light off fireworks. We could still celebrate our patriotism on the day we mark our independence from British Empire rule. This should have been the experience of our community this coming weekend. Instead, Christian nationalism masquerading as patriotism, as a disingenuous protest, is threatening to take over the crown jewel of Longview, Lake Sacagawea Park, effectively denying access to the park to families and community members who would have been able to enjoy a socially distanced experience at the park on that day. This group, calling themselves the We the People Festival, is working purposefully to endanger the most vulnerable members of our community by actively encouraging community members to gather in mass without any proper guidelines or restrictions being observed, not just for a time of global pandemic, but even for normal event and food permitting and safety. This so-called protest festival, a protest by name only, as one of the event organizers admitted to, in an interview with the local paper in the lead-up to this event, stating, I'm not a protester by nature. That's not really the heart of what we're doing. This is not about community unity and togetherness, but rather this quote-unquote protest is a political statement that demands one very narrow understanding of what it means to be patriotic. That is, to quote-unquote rebel against a governor who has asked all people in our state, regardless of political affiliation, to make great sacrifices so that we could control a pandemic that had its original epicenter in our country in Seattle. To do so, we were asked to make sacrifices so that we could control the spread and most importantly, limit the number of preventable deaths in our families and our communities. 
In addition, the We the People organizers have tied in the promise of a worship service both on the evening of July 4th and the morning, Sunday morning, July 5th, as part of this celebration of quote-unquote patriotism. That is the very definition of Christian nationalism. This event is a clear example of how conflating Christianity with a very narrow understanding of what it means to be patriotic, that is, by being a nationalist, one who demands a position of superiority, and has little or no room for dissent or disagreement. This creates a dangerous sense of invincibility and predestination, that God has somehow blessed this activity as holy and good, even though it is built upon the foundations of individualism, American exceptionalism, and a misguided understanding of our rights. Nothing that is proposed as part of the We the People Festival is Christian in any manner. It is not Christian to hate your neighbor by inviting them to flaunt science and the expert advice of health officials locally and across the world, potentially exposing them to a deadly virus that has recently seen a huge uptake in cases in our county, over a 140% increase as of this recording. It is Christian to love your neighbor so much you are willing to sacrifice your own individual wants and desires for their health and safety. Sacrifice is the foundational experience of our faith. Jesus' sacrifice and death on the cross, the sacrifice and death of the martyrs that have come before, the sacrifices we all take on to strip away our wants and desires to live into the life and call that Jesus has laid before us, a life and call focused on loving our neighbor. It is not Christian to declare that only one way of being in community is patriotic, and that anyone who stands in opposition is somehow lesser than, is somehow unpatriotic or denying the patriotism of others. To promise a worship service that is inherently tied to the message that is being put forth with the proposed festival. In fact, patriotism and Christianity should have nothing to do with one another. Your identity as a follower of Christ should always be, first and foremost, in some ways only, as a Christian, full stop. Patriotism then becomes a celebration of a shared experience and affinity for the country that we share with one another, while also acknowledging and naming and even protesting when that lived experience creates real actual harm for others in our community. And no, being asked to wear a cloth face mask is not causing you harm. And, as Christians, we should never consider ourselves patriotic as an identifying factor of our identity. We can be patriotic. We can practice patriotism. We can celebrate the 4th. We can vote, and you most definitely should vote. We can peaceably assemble to stand in solidarity with those who are oppressed. We can write a letter to the editor and encourage good journalism, and so on and so forth. We can be fans, ardent supporters of the United States' athletes that represent our country in global contests. But through all of that, we should never consider ourselves patriotic as a marker of our devotion to these activities and actions, as an identifying 
factor of who we are. When we allow our patriotic activities and actions to come to define us as an individual, we begin to move away from patriotism into nationalism. And as we move into nationalism, we recognize that this is not compatible with our identity as a Christian. But instead of recognizing that this is problematic, we double down and begin to conflate the two together, falling into the heresy that is Christian nationalism. So how does Christian nationalism promote heresy? Well, heresy very plainly is any belief or theory that is strongly at variance with established beliefs or customs, in particular the accepted beliefs of a church or religious organization, and a heretic is a proponent of such claims or beliefs. The Episcopal Church holds the following foundational beliefs. We Episcopalians believe in a loving, liberating, and life-giving God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We believe in following the teachings of Jesus Christ, whose life, death, and resurrection saved the world. We have a legacy of inclusion, aspiring to tell and exemplify God's love for every human being. Women and men serve as bishops, priests, and deacons in our church. Lay people and clergy cooperate as leaders at all levels of our church. Because of that, we believe that leadership is a gift from God and can be expressed by all people in our church, regardless of sexual identity or orientation. And ultimately, we believe that God loves you, with no exceptions. These are, by and large, very basic Christian beliefs, and also, in many ways, are all that matters when we talk about what it means to follow Christ and to call oneself a Christian. Christian nationalism, a system of belief that ordains the actions of politicians and the state as holy and of God, that conflates a very narrow understanding of what it means to be patriotic with the demand to follow this line without questioning as a way of expressing one's patriotism, stands in clear opposition to these foundational beliefs of the church. This is why Christian nationalism is heretical. Christian nationalism corrupts our understanding of the loving God by placing love of country equal with or even above the love that is shown to us by God. Christian nationalism stands in direct opposition to the liberating power of God, demanding obedience and acceptance without question of one very specific and very narrow view of the world. Christian nationalism is by definition exclusive not inclusive. Christian nationalism teaches that God loves you with a lot of exceptions. And if you do not fall in line with the teachings of Christian nationalism, you are removed from accessing the love of God. Christian nationalism is clearly a heresy that threatens the very fabric of our society and prevents us from being honest with one another and doing the hard work that is living into the loving, liberating, life-giving way of God. This work of God tasks us with acknowledging our brokenness, individually and societally, with acknowledging our sins and the systemic sins of our country, 
with recognizing when our individuality and singular focus on our rights has caused us to forget that sacrifice is at the center of what we believe and how we are called to change this world. When we declare that God loves you, with no exceptions, we mean that deeply within the walls of our church buildings. In order to bring this teaching out into the world, we must first name and confront the reality of Christian nationalism that has corrupted the message of Christ into one of individual exceptionalism found only in this country. And in doing so, we must be ready to exercise our patriotism in standing against those who would draw clear lines that create an us versus them, rather than inviting all into the communal conversation, so we can truly learn from, be challenged and changed by, be inspired and lifted up, be spiritually filled by all people in our community, not just those who seek to deem themselves as the quote-unquote true Americans. I want to close this conversation today by acknowledging that this topic is heavy and challenging. This is largely due to the very coordinated efforts of leaders, both political and religious, to define Christian nationalism as patriotism, and to quickly label any that speak against as unpatriotic. Except protest is a foundational piece of the American experiment. Protests have changed our country for the better. Workers' rights, women's suffrage, civil rights, the Me Too movement, Black Lives Matter, all have pushed our country forward and closer to a society where the foundational belief of the church that God loves you with no exceptions is finally and fully realized. Those who espouse the virtues of Christian nationalism will continue to speak out against protests that challenge the status quo, that challenge us to see how God's equal and equitable love is not felt by all in our society, at least not through the actions of their neighbors. And as Christians, we have a duty to speak out against the heresy that is Christian nationalism. As we stand in solidarity with our siblings in Christ who ask to be loved by us, just the same as we love ourselves. Thank you for joining me today, for your neighbor, a priest. I look forward to our next conversation at the intersections of our world and the holy, which will be coming to you on Monday, August 3rd. Until then, enjoy the 4th of July responsibly. Stay home, stay healthy. When you go out, mask up, be well. And God's unending, all-encompassing peace and love be with you all. Thank you.